0: One, two, three.
1: Welcome to Three Song Stories, the show that has stumbled across the fact that asking people to dip into their memories to find songs that are indelibly linked to moments in their lives turns them into their own best storytellers. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary Our guest this week is Rada Angelova. Rada is known for her work in theater in New York City. She started as the actor, writer, and producer of her own solo show that was presented at the Midtown International Theater Festival, and then she stepped behind the curtain to represent some of the world's longest-running musicals, including Chicago and Cats, while they were on tour in the U.S. Rada is originally from Bulgaria, where she says she first found her passion for music. Today, she co writes with songwriters from Nashville, Canada, North Macedonia, and others. Her songs Anonymous in New York and Margarita are among her most popular and can be found under her music artist name Rada and Subject to Change. Inspired by her experience in the Big Apple, Rada created a career development class introducing creatives and producers from Eastern Europe to the theater world on Broadway and beyond called This is my show Rada comes our way via episode number 253 guest New York City based Bulgarian-American actress filmmaker model fire dancer teacher and more Evgenia Radilova. we caught up with Rada remotely from her home in Bulgaria hey there Rada how are you
0: I'm very well how are you
1: I'm doing very well thank you for doing this from you know almost literally the other side of the world um, where in Bulgaria are you
0: I'm in our capital, which is called Sofia.
1: Can you describe where Bulgaria is on the map on the globe for our geographically challenged listeners?
0: Sure, it's in Southeast Europe. So I imagine that many people have been to Greece. Uh, We border Greece and Turkey on the south and Romania on the north, um, Serbia and North Macedonia on the west. So that should give you an idea and uh, also the Black Sea on the east.
1: So you're roughly the same latitude as about like New York or the northeastern United States. So what's the weather like there today?
0: It's really warm. It's uh, like 20 degrees Celsius, which uh, is almost like it almost feels like summer. Um, And in terms of Fahrenheit, gosh, after... Living in uh, the U.S. for so many years, I still have trouble converting (laughs) Celsius to Fahrenheit. So it's just a really nice uh, spring day.
1: I looked up uh, what the temperature was right before we started, and it's 71 degrees Fahrenheit. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so let's get to the music stuff. So what's your earliest musical memory, if you had to flashback, something that stuck with you?
0: Well, uh, it would have to be the music that my parents listened to at home, and that was a good mix of uh, the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Queen, and some Bulgarian artists, popular Bulgarian artists at the time. But it would be like rock and roll English, and uh, yeah, mainly British rock and roll.
1: Um, Do you have brothers or sisters?
0: I do. I have an older sister.
1: Did she influence you musically? Was she listening to what your parents were listening to or something else?
0: She's actually nine years older than me, so I wouldn't say that she um, influenced me musically, no.
1: Oh, so she was. there's a little bit too much gap there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, were your parents playing records? I'm trying to figure out, was that a records era or had we moved past records yet?
0: It was a cassette tape era here in Bulgaria, at least. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Um, During that time, was that kind of music cool to play? Um, I know that, you know, you were living in under the Soviet Union, so there were some restrictions on Western art, as I understand it.
0: Yeah, but um, you're right. When I was growing up, uh, um, I was, uh, we still were under communist rule, but um, I was so young, I didn't really understand fully what was going on. And. I just know that in, in my high uh, household, this was the kind of music we we'll listened to, and it was allowed, <laughs> and, I, um, and I really loved it.
1: How would you describe the musical background of your childhood, you know, beyond just the walls of your home and what your parents were listening to? Did you see shows or music out in the world? You know, were you listening to the radio beyond what they had?
0: uh well, well now i'm going uh, a few years later when i was already a teenager and young adult if you will uh but um we had we were introduced to there was a lot of music here i think it was really versatile um later on when i started forming my musical taste you know being influenced by my friends um i listened to a lot of hard rock a lot of american rock Uh, then i went into electronic music Uh, it was like really really diverse so i would say that um and this is already post uh, 89 when communism fell so we were flooded here with all kinds of music and we were very very curious in terms of um, these Sounds.
1: Hmm. Do you remember the first music that you owned that you could hold in your hand?
0: Oh my gosh, it would have to be between a cassette tape, uh, a tape of uh, Nirvana or uh, Guns N' Roses because these were like two of my favorites. Um, <laughs> groups. Um, So, yeah, I was crazy about buying music, buying cassette tapes, and uh, it would have to be one of those two, but I can't remember which one it was.
1: Were you um, able to speak any English at that time in your life? Were you listening to these songs knowing what they were talking about?
0: No, I really didn't understand the lyrics. And, you know, um, uh, alternative rock and 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 rock and roll these are so it's a, such emotional music you kind of are led by the emotion and uh especially as a foreigner you don't really understand the music, the lyrics fully um So even though I have to say I fell in love with the English language just by listening to those first records at home I was telling you about, you know, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, I just fell in love with the English language and I did start learning it. But I didn't understand it to the point of understanding the, the lyrics of the songs. I mean, I would understand here and there, but not fully.
1: It must be an interesting experience to have, you know, like something like Guns N' Roses, that you really just love that album. And then over time, you learn enough English that suddenly there's a transition yep. to like listening to the words.
0: Uh, absolutely. I mean, if I if I listened to all of those albums today, I would have... I would listen to them with, like, brand new ears because I would understand so much more uh, in terms of the lyrics. It's like hearing, it would be like hearing them all over again for the first time.
1: Did you ever make mixtapes?
0: Yes, I did.
1: (laughs) What would be on your mixtapes? Would they be for you or would they be for some, uh, you know, some boy you wanted to impress?
0: No, I was really, I couldn't be bothered with boys <laughs> <laughs>
1: in,
0: in high school. Um, oh my gosh, it, it must have been like, I don't even remember. I mean, my my influences were, I was also listening to classical music, so it's very possible that I was mixing, you know, Beethoven with... Um, would like heavy metal on my mixtapes is just like and there was a lot mixtape cassette tapes were expensive and that was the reasoning behind making those mixtapes at the time you would borrow a tape or two from a friend and you'd go home and you'd use your um, cassette tape player to to transfer over something to a tape to a tape that you didn't have to pay for, so <laughs> I guess uh, it wasn't it wasn't good for the artists, but uh, we did what we could to like get our get our hands on some fresh music.
1: Absolutely, it was revolutionary to be able to like put together your own playlist. Kids these days have it so easy with their playlists. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, before we get to your first song. Um, uh, do you remember the first time you saw music performed live that wasn't some sort of like a choir, but like a concert?
0: Yes, I do. It actually leads into my first song because that was a concert that my um, parents took me to. It's a Bulgarian artist called Basil Naidinov, and uh, my parents took me to his live concert in, um, close to where uh, where I grew up.
1: Well, should we listen to the song, or do you want to talk about the story that goes with the song first?
0: Well, um, well, let's say uh, sure. Let's let's dive into the song. Um, it is called uh, Julie, and it's actually a Bulgarian cover version of a song, a song called "Oh Julie" by Shaking Stevens. And the artist who performs the Bulgarian version is called uh, Vasil Nidenov. And this song brings me back to um, early childhood, kind of my memories are pretty blurred, but um, I was dancing in our living room secretly, supposedly secretly because um, I do like, uh, you know, I was shy. I'm dancing to this song like wildly. And then at some point I realized my father is peeking in from the, from the door. Uh, which had this kind of like a smoky mirror, uh, not mirror, but window. And so the minute I see his silhouette, I'm like startled, I get all shy and I try to like chase him away uh, so I can uh, continue my activity. And uh, I think that he (laughs) really um, realized that I was quite musical at that time. And then uh, insisted that I uh, take piano lessons and I kind of develop uh, that musicality. Uh, So let's listen to it.
1: All right, this is uh, Rada Angelova's first song today. This is, like she said, Julie. Um, The artist is Vasil Nydanov. How do you say it? Vasil Nydanov? That's right. All right, and like she said, it's based on the song Oh Julie by Shaken Stevens.
0: Oh my God, I was just back in that living room, and then at the same time here now and just still grooving to it. It's just such a great song. It's really great. Thank you for bringing me back to it. I I, I really haven't listened to it in a long time. And I have to tell you, I realized this is a cover version of just recently. I, I thought that this is his original song, and one day I was sitting in the car here in Bulgaria and they Put on the original, and I was like, "What?
1: <laughs> oh, so you didn't realize it was a it was based on that other song no, back until just I until did not. The, oh wow, that must have blown your mind.
0: It really blew my mind.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm gonna go on a little little nerd tangent here. So I googled it, and I found ready for this. So I found an academic paper titled Restrictive Remix, Political Censorship on Western Music in Communist Bulgaria in the 1960s through the 1980s. Whoa. And it was published in 2013 by someone at the St. Cyril and St. Methodius University of Veliko Tarnovo in Bulgaria. Are you familiar with that? And it cites this song as one of the songs that was created under what they called Restrictive Remixes, where the artist would use a western song but then change the words in order to get it Mm -hmm. by censorship so this song was one of the songs that that paper cited as one that did that had you any idea that was a thing
0: i did not but i did notice that the lyrics are different um uh the instrumental is incredibly close to the original but the words are not so it, it must have been a thing Yeah. Yeah. I would be curious. You have to send me a link to that
1: paper. Yeah, I will. I will. You'll probably recognize some of it. It wasn't the only one it cited. Um, So you mentioned piano. You said your dad saw you dancing and picked up on your musicality. So then you became serious about piano.
0: He wanted me to become serious about piano. I did not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, they did. uh, They did buy me a real piano. It was a Tchaikovsky and we lived on the fifth so it must have been a a whole ordeal to get it up there and it must have also been expensive they signed me up for lessons uh, but uh, it was not my thing because it required me to sit still for hours and practice and I did not like that (laughs) I liked uh, being outside and running around with my friends uh, but um, I wish I had learned I, I, I wish I had stuck Uh, stuck with it a little longer um, because having a better knowledge of piano really helps when you compose songs, which started, which is something I started doing much later.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Did you play any other instruments or was, was your brief attempt at piano it? That was it. (laughs) So uh, in high school, like where did you fit in? Were you, uh, uh, you mentioned before that you were shy. Were you a theater kid or like, where did you fit in in high school?
0: I was somewhere in between the nerds and the artists. I uh, had different groups of friends uh, that were very different from, uh, from each other. And I somehow were, was very interested in what everybody was doing. I had this one group that was uh, very book smart, uh, very academic. And then I had another group that were um, artists, uh, painters, mainly and then i myself became a singer um just i guess going back to your question about another um instrument i did not play another instrument but i started singing Um, that was something that was an influence uh from my sister because she was singing in this um, choir in town that was really popular and then um I guess I was somewhat influenced by her to go and audition um, for this choir. And that was a big thing for me singing in that choir because we toured all over Europe and uh, in a time when it was difficult to do that, you know, it it wasn't like today, you just uh, go. Back then you couldn't travel so easily. So it was a really big thing for me. So that was a big influence.
1: Do you remember when you were doing that traveling the first place that really made you go, wow, the world's got a lot more stuff in it than I might have thought?
0: Well, oh, God, I'd have to look on a map, but just for accuracy. But, um, you know, the minute you stepped into more like Central Europe, maybe somewhere around Austria, it was just a different world. We were traveling, um, w- We were traveling. let's see, from Bulgaria, we went on tour, we had concerts in like Venice and in Strasbourg and Vienna, in Barcelona. So we were really all over the map. Um, and we were traveling by train, by train and by bus. And so <laughs> the minute you left like Eastern Europe, it was a different world, it really was. And so I was really inspired and impressed by that, um, and, and that influenced me actually to um, see more of the world. So uh, when it came time to, for me to apply uh, for college, I knew that I wanted to study abroad. And I decided to, that I wanted to go to the U.S. I only applied for um, schools in the U.S., colleges in the U.S. because I knew that I couldn't get any financial support in Western Europe. So I didn't even try there.
1: Hmm. Well, we'll get to college in a little bit, but let me do a little more high school. Um, High school dances. Do you have any high school dance memories?
0: Oh, Yeah. Tons.
1: What would would Uh, have been the big songs playing during that era? What pop into your head?
0: Well, I I remember a lot of, um, I had a very strong um, rock um, period, I guess. And uh, it was popular to go to house parties and also to concerts of local bands. And the dance at a rock concert is head-banging, right? <laughs> <laughs> so there was a lot of that. Uh, and then after I uh, got over that phase, I do not even know that I got over it, because <laughs> I appreciate that music very much. Um, but then I had a phase of electronic music, and there was a massive uh, movement in Bulgaria, which still exists. Uh, It was a group of DJs that were very progressive and they were keeping an eye on um, uh, the latest electronic offerings from abroad. They were organizing these massive parties called Metropolis. Uh, So the dance uh, there is, I mean, it's kind of like what you make it. (laughs) 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 Anything goes.
1: What did you want to be when you grew up during that time? did you have a sites you know do you have sites set you know you say you wound up wanting to come to the United States but like what was your goal at that point?
0: My goal was to come to the United States and then i um did not um I did not know what I wanted to do professionally growing up and I allowed myself to experience uh, each year as it came and i didn't really uh, feel too pressured that i didn't really know yet and actually i think it was a really good choice for me that i decided to um, come to the united states i graduated from a liberal arts college and then by the end of that i knew what i wanted to do but here in Bulgaria at the time, um, higher education was not really structured that way. You you had to know what you wanted to study going in and you couldn't change. And that was very um, restrictive for somebody like me who was undecided
2: for a while.
1: Like almost every single person that age is. So I I, I appreciate the open ended education that we can sometimes have access to. Where did you go to yeah. school? Like like where did you get into? Where did you move to once you came over?
0: Once I came over, um, I went to Wesleyan College in Macon, Georgia, for three years. And then I transferred to Mount Holyoke College in Massachusetts. That's uh, where I graduated from and got my bachelor's. And then I left for New York where I got my um, MFA in performing arts management from uh, uh, CUNY Brooklyn College.
1: So how big of a difference is there between first setting foot in Western Europe versus Bulgaria and Macon, Georgia? <laughs>
0: Oh, my God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Seems I like just, that might have well, been a wild ride for you there as a
0: oh my newcomer to our... our <laughs> yeah, well, it was, um, let's see, I landed in Atlanta, right, first at first. And the air, I mean, it just could knock me out flat on the ground because it was August and it was so hot and humid, and it was like nothing like I had experienced before. Uh, But that was just the start of it. Um, The culture shock was enormous for me because I was coming from this uh, relatively big European city even even though Bulgarian city, but still there was a lot going on and I could leave my apartment and go anywhere in town I wanted to not in Macon, Georgia, I was not a driver, so I was pretty much stuck to my campus, which was really tiny, um, and so I had a little bit of an adjusting to do, but um, overall the people were friendly and, um, and good, and so eventually, um, eventually I got used to it.
1: I can hardly hear your southern accent. <laughs>
0: I know. I know. I think I probably shook it by now. But let me tell you, when 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 I moved to, I mean, New York or something like people were telling me that I had a southern accent and I was like, what?
1: Well, I guess if you is that where you were really getting your first deep dive into English as a language that you had to speak. So maybe you that's true.
0: I could have picked it up. It's totally possible. Mm.
1: Uh, any? Um, did you do any performing when you were in college there? Were you in a choir or, or band or anything like that?
0: Yeah, I did audition for their concert choir and I was a part of it for, honestly, I don't remember how long, for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I was a part of that choir for a little while.
1: Why did you decide to do your fourth year up in Massachusetts?
0: I had to do two years up in Massachusetts because that was the minimum that the college required in order to give me a degree. Uh, I think that I wanted to, um, experience the culture in the Northeast and just, uh, experience a different pace of life. Um, so. Yeah, I was just exploring other possibilities, as I told you, the first several years. And and that college, Mount Holyoke, was actually a college that um, I also initially applied to um, just when I was still in Bulgaria. I didn't get in uh, right away, but I kept trying. So eventually they accepted me. So finally I transferred.
1: At what point did New York become your target?
0: New York became a target in my senior year of college.
1: What yeah. was what was
0: Probably that? probably in my second semester, so very like late.
1: <laughs> what triggered that? What was the pivot?
0: Well, first semester of senior year, I took an acting class, and that um, changed my life. Uh, I decided I wanted to uh, work in the theater. And I started taking class after class after class, and my professors said that uh, if I wanted to work professionally in the theater, I have to be in New York because that's where it all happens. So uh, that's where I went.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, I've been waiting for theater and acting to come up somewhere, and it wasn't until the second semester of your senior year. but we got it. Okay, well, we'll yep. get to we'll get to New York in a little bit, but let's do song number two now.
0: Sure. Are we playing it first? or Th- That is tot- totally up first? to you.
1: We can just leap right into it or you can tell the story. Let's
0: uh, leap right
1: into it. All right. This is Groove is in the Heart by D-Light. There's three D or three E's there uh, from their album World Click, released in 1990. This is our guest today, Radha Angelova's second song on Three Song Stories. This is biography through music.
2: One, two, three. Groove is in the Heart.
1: Oh, I, have, I remember that song, but I've never listened to it in headphones before. That's something. So what's what's the story or where, where does that take you?
0: That takes me to a really groovy summer, my first summer as a young adult uh, without parents, uh, going on vacation by the Bulgarian seaside with a bunch of friends and uh, it was a group of uh, very artistic friends Uh, they were all painters and uh, each year as part of their education they were taken to this beautiful town very ancient called suzopol to uh, practice and develop their skills there so they took me to suzopol i was my first time uh there and i still go back to it every year and uh oh It was incredible um, just experiencing a summer like that with friends like that. Uh, We didn't go to the regular beaches. They took me to the cliffs in town um, from which you could jump directly into the deep sea. And then um, uh, every night we would go out dancing to this beach bar uh, called the Country Bar. Uh, which was just a wooden bar on the beach and that was my favorite song. Um, (laughs) and we would just dance all night. Sometimes we would even, uh, welcome the sunrise. So I guess it was my first summer of growing up. I don't know if you could call it that, but truly unforgettable.
1: About how old were you? Oh
0: gosh. Sixteen, seventeen,
1: something like that. And was this your? Know, your parents weren't around, so you were kind of independently partying and being.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Hmm. When was the last exactly. time you? When was the last time you listened to this song?
0: Well, you know, in preparation for today, I was uh, kind of like picking my brain, trying to pick my own brain, and just like. I just listened to it in preparation, I guess. danced to it a little bit in the living room with my with my little daughter. Um, we love dancing together, so it was just recently. But before, oh oh, before that, I heard it about a month ago in a local club here in Sofia. So they still play it. They what? still play it, and it still gets me every time.
1: Well, it's got a great groove. It's kind of hard. To, it's kind of mm-hmm. timeless. I would I would I would consider it to be timeless. Um, you uh, you you mentioned your daughter. How old is your daughter? Yeah,
0: two, just two. a
1: little over two, a little over mm-hmm. two. OK, so not not picking up on her own music yet. Um, <laughs> uh, so so let's go back then now to to New York. You you decide you, you fall in love with theater and you decide to move to New York. So what was your plan and how did it start?
0: So uh, my second semester of senior year, I was already, I already started writing uh, and I was seeing a lot of theater, whatever um, shows would come to uh, that part of Massachusetts. And I really, got the bug for solo shows uh, and I started writing my own solo show on um, uh, started writing on topics I was interested in and eventually I got this dream to produce my own solo show so that was my plan that was my goal uh, for um, something that I wanted to do in New York obviously uh, gosh I was really young I was brand new still you could still say I was brand new to the theater. I was doing a lot. And so I really didn't know how long I would last in the city um, like New York. Um, so when I got there, um, I kept working on um, this show that I was writing. I continued taking acting classes. And then um, I Was trying to find a job that could help me uh, you know support myself while I figure things out and to make things more interesting I also decided that um, I was going to apply for um, this program that I found uh, performing arts management program in Brooklyn College so that's what I was doing in my first year Uh, But by the end of my first year in town, um, I was able to present my show at this uh, summer theater festival, uh, which accepted it. Um, So that happened.
1: What was the show? What was it called? What was the, the basic gist of it?
0: The show was called uh, "When Silence Explodes," and it was like it was structured like an orientation session into American life, um, designed to help international students uh, get acquainted, you know, get uh, familiar uh, and, and ready for what's to come. Um, So it was an exploration of American life from the point of view of many different characters who were of a very diverse background, Um, socioeconomic. um, I had foreigners. I had, um, you know, different um, races in there, Native Americans, African Americans. So everybody was talking about their experience um, as they know it. Hmm. Yeah, this was uh, these were the themes that were interesting to me at that time. I was by then, uh, I had already been here for five years, but I was still discovering a lot of new things. And I was pretty blown away.
1: How, How often did you perform it? Or was that just the one time?
0: No, I uh, performed it several times uh, as part of the festival. It was, um, I can't remember, maybe four times. But in preparation for the festival, um, in preparation for the festival, I was doing parts of it uh, in different places. Like I did a part of it uh, back in uh, Mount Holyoke. And I did it um, in uh, for a part of it for the Bulgarian community uh, in New York. Uh, so it was really a year-long journey for me uh, with multiple performances. Then uh, one of the monologues was accepted at a, uh, some kind of a competition in New Jersey. So I took part of that too. So it was like a maybe up to 10 times i would say i performed it total
1: so your bio says that you stepped behind you stepped behind the curtain to represent some uh, musicals and you just alluded to the fact that you started taking classes at brooklyn college i think you said so tie those together so you ended up doing uh, more representation kind of stuff right
0: yeah well after i um, after i produced my my solo show at this theater festival I, that was my first experience stepping also behind the curtain um, because you know you also become your own producer sure so yeah I yeah. To, yeah I got to learn a ha- about that whole world behind the scenes then um, and then um having produced this show uh, this really got the eye uh, this really was impressive for the head of the uh, program the performing arts management program at Brooklyn College uh, that I really got to do that that i really got to put the show on stage and i think it was a really it really helped me to get accepted into that program which is excellent uh there i continued to um explore what else i could do in the theater because i didn't have another idea for a show and so um i i just wanted to stay and work professionally in the theater so i um um was trying all kinds of different things i worked for a performing arts center in new york then i interned for a commercial broadway producer and then i met um the head of the agency which i eventually um worked for a long time uh in one of my classes uh his name is gary mcavey And he was also a graduate of our program, and he introduced me to the world of uh, booking agencies. Um, He was the president of Columbia Artists Theatricals, which was a division of Columbia Artists Management. And I got really interested in the type of work and the kind of artists and attractions uh, that they represent. So I started following the activity of the company and when a possibility for an internship. Uh, opened up, applied, and um, I stuck around.
1: (laughs) How long did you stick around and what were the kinds of things you wound up doing?
0: Well, I uh, eventually became a booking agent uh, representing um, Broadway musicals on tour. And uh, let's see, probably with Gary and uh, Columbia Artist Theatricals, I stayed for over 11 years Uh, but uh, I've also worked for another booking agency. Uh, But let's see, I started as an intern, so I was originally assisting um, the booking agents at the time, and I was also heavily working with the uh, contracting uh, head um, to help with uh, that kind of work, issuing contracts and, and all of that. And then uh, eventually, as they got uh, confident in my abilities, I got other opportunities and I became an agent myself.
1: Hmm. So how much of that job is is knowing how to get all the paperwork and all the minutiae right and how much of it is dealing with personalities and things like that of, you know, the people who are on either end of all of those deals?
0: well uh let's see when when you're an agent uh you are involved uh in the paperwork in terms of you um have to know the terms of the deal and you sign off on the terms that are reflected in the contract uh but then um the contract itself um is kind of turned over to the contracting department so to speak um so you are supposed you should know it but your primary uh responsibility is really dealing with with personalities um and with uh all these uh theaters and promoters from all across uh, the us uh and knowing how to um you know um get the job done uh, because at the end of the day uh, we work for the producers and so um we work very hard to um, book a profitable tour, but we also want to um, kind of uh, nurture our connections all across the all across the country.
1: I bet you've worked with some real personalities.
0: Well, show business, yeah, <laughs> it's, full, it's full of personality.
1: Absolutely, um, and you're a musician too, right? So, uh, Rada and Subject to Change, tell us about that.
0: Well, uh, yes, I think that uh, that early experience, um, well, first of all, experiencing music, you know, in your body uh, as a kid dancing really young and then becoming a singer, um, I think my connection to music is very strong and I lost it for a little while. <clears throat> and then um, it kind of resurfaced uh, very surprisingly to me in this uh, desire to write songs. And I, I try to look back and I try to figure out how it happened. You know, um, I was listening to a lot of great music because uh, I was our team was representing um, Cats Chicago and just like these musicals with amazing music in it. So I was listening to a lot of that and then i had continued writing um even though i wasn't writing for the stage anymore but i think these two things came together and that's how i got my first ideas for songs and i decided to explore that and see if i could write a song um, so that's how that started. And, um, that's where, sub- where subject to change, uh, comes from actually, because I wanted to change the fact that I had lost my connection to music. Um, so that's what I wanted to change, subject to change.
1: Hmm. You, um, you've written and co-written with people, um, any, any, any songs that you've written that have been wound up being recorded by, you know, somebody by, besides yourself.
0: Let's see. Don't believe, uh, well, we did have a song that was recorded, um, I had a three-way co-write, me and two other ladies, one of which was a very young girl, like she was maybe 13 or 14 at that time, and she did record uh, that song, and I haven't heard that it's blown up globally yet, but I'll tell you if I do. <laughs> um,
1: you know, I, I have. Uh, um, we have um, uh, both your song "Margarita" and anonymous in New York. And I was gonna play a little bit of one, and I wondered which one you think we should play a little bit of.
0: Oh my God, I couldn't pick between one or the other.
1: We uh, do it here. I'll flip a. I'll flip, I'll flip a coin. I carry around it. A silver dollar. Okay, Jared. Heads, it's uh, Margarita, and tails, it's Anonymous in New York.
0: Oh, am I supposed
1: to? No, I'm flipping a coin. It's heads. So, Margarita.
0: for doing that. So, so, <laughs> I really appreciate
1: it. So, um, okay, well, when was the last time you listened to that? It's your own song.
0: Gosh, I listen to that frequently. I like that groove. I mean, I I, I don't know if it's embarrassing <laughs> to, like, listen to your own music. I don't think so. I just like the groove of that song. It's very, first of all, it reminds me of New York. Um, that song was uh, came about on a rooftop, which I love the New York rooftops. I love New York uh, rooftops anywhere, but the New York rooftops are something else. And uh, it also reminds me of summer. So I, I like listening to that song.
1: Mm. It's got a nice little groove to it.
0: Yeah, it's fun.
1: Mm. So uh, before we get to your third song, um, uh, you've at least done some film. I see that on IMDb, uh, Nothing uh, Changed for Me, which you co-wrote with uh, the guest who recommended you, Evgenia Ratilova. Uh What you, what can you tell us about that project?
0: That's actually a video that uh, Evgenia directed. That's a music video based on one of my songs called Nothing Changed for oh. Me. Uh, yeah, and I did co-write that song, but not with Evgenia. <laughs> I co-write, uh, co-wrote it with a Canadian artist. Oh, I think um, IMD
1: has a, IMDB has it wrong then. I
0: think Uh, it's possible. We've been trying to change some things on there for a while and it's just incredibly well props to who
1: is the, who is the Canadian that you co-wrote it with?
0: Uh, uh, Her name is Eris, Okay. Also known as Sarah Bolton. Mm -hmm.
1: Props to her. Well, um, how long ago was that? And, and how long, uh, you know, do you go back with Evgenia?
0: Uh, I'm at Evgenia in New York city. Wow, maybe about 10 years ago. It might actually be a little longer than 10 years ago. And, um, Sorry, what what uh, did you ask me?
1: Oh, how, how, when was that music video produced?
0: Oh, yes. Uh, well, the song was released in 2019, but I think we worked on that video in 2017, 20, uh, 2018. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And finally, uh, it got released in 2019. It was a really great experience, and I really appreciate um, the opportunity to, to work with her.
1: Hmm. Um, how long have you been back in Bulgaria?
0: Oh, about a year, little over a year, maybe. Mm -hmm.
1: What made you decide to move back?
0: I was really, um, I think I had some nostalgic feelings in me, quite honestly. Um, I was feeling those for a few years. Um, and then, uh, COVID, COVID came about and, uh, and then my daughter came, and I thought that it was a good time to take a break from uh, New York, from uh, my work uh, in the theater as I know it for the moment, and uh, spend more time with uh, family over here and also with my daughter. Hmm. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, okay. Well, let's do your third song now. This is the uh, the song from Cats. How would you like to go?
0: Uh, let's Let's play it.
1: Let's play it. All right, this is Memory from the musical Cats, uh, premiered in the London, New London Theater in 1981, then opened on Broadway the following year. Uh, It's Rada Angelova's third song today on Three Song Stories. We're going to play the original Broadway cast version. Oh, wow.
0: Uh, That takes me to my seat in... NJ Pack in Newark and the first time I saw Cats live and the first time I heard the music of Angeloid Webber live and uh, like my heart is like beating so fast right now. It was so emotional and beautiful. That's where it takes me. I was uh, I was a young I was still I don't know how long I had worked at Columbia artist uh, theatrical by that time but um, I was still relatively new and I was supposed to know of course all of the shows on our roster and uh, all of my colleagues um, in in the field uh, they grew up with the musical theater most of them uh, but I didn't and so uh, that was very, very impressive and very, very moving. Yeah. I was still new to the world of musicals and the music of Angeloid Weber was just hypnotizing to me. Absolutely hypnotizing.
1: How many uh, different shows have you seen? Would you guess?
0: Oh my God. Do not know, but, um, I've kept most of my tickets to all the shows i've seen in new york and they are somewhere in a shoebox in one of the many <laughs> boxes <laughs> that made it from the us back to bulgaria um i know it does not sound very appealing but i could count its hundreds um and i need to um take better care of those tickets and uh put them in a better place but i i have them have i also a- keep a lot of my programs a lot of my playbills.
1: Do you have a favorite show?
0: I I don't know if I have a favorite, but Cats is a special show to me. Maybe for this reason that we are talking about today.
1: Did you watch the Cats movie that was kind Did of not. kind of roundly <laughs> panned? <laughs> so you didn't even you didn't even like give it a glimpse.
0: Um. I, ha- I did not see the movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, do you keep up with new theater that's coming out? You know, I have a daughter who's a theater kid. She's getting ready to go away to college, and she's always on YouTube trying to see, you know, anything she can of the new stuff as it rolls out.
0: I try to. It's, um, I, I have to admit that I'm seeing um, a lot of new theater here in Bulgaria now. Um I kind of take a peek at uh uh what's going on 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 Broadway and on tour of course. Uh but I'm really excited by what I'm seeing here. Um it's very different and there are some um American guest artists here that are also new to me. Um like I saw the work of Robert Wilson here uh, for the first time American director uh, Robert Wilson, who was invited at, uh, by our national theater um, to work with, collaborate uh, with uh, their team and produce The Tempest.
1: Hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You said some of the And, then of, oh, course, go, 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 and go. then, of
0: course, there is a lot that goes on um, on the scene by uh, Bulgarian artists. Um, yeah.
1: You said that what's happening there is very different. Can you characterize like what that difference is?
0: Well, just uh, the rep the repertoire is very different. Uh, a lot of um, European writers, a lot of Russian uh, writers as well, because um, that's just the history of theater here. That um, influence is very strong. Um, and of course, as I said. Um, Robert Wilson as an as an artist is very I mean he's unique uh, right so his aesthetic uh, was very uh, it, it is not something that I'm accustomed to um, I was accustomed to even in New York um, so and then there are a lot of Bulgarian um, adaptations um, adaptations for the stage of um, Bulgarian writers uh that did not necessarily write for the stage, but there are interesting teams of directors and uh writers who have formed here that uh, make these adaptations. And uh, I think that's very important because in that way, uh, the work of these writers is introduced um, in a new way and to a new generation. And I think they're doing a really uh, great job of doing that.
1: Cool. I'm glad I asked. Um, Okay. Are you ready for a speed round?
0: Well, ready or not, <laughs>
1: ready or not, here we come. Uh, Rada, do you have a nickname that has stuck over the course of your life that you would be willing to share?
0: Actually, Rada is my nickname. Oh. Uh, my! My full name is Radoslava, and Rada. Uh, if I could tell this story, but. Um, My acting teachers always got so excited about this nickname because it's short for, it stands also for uh, Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I tell myself that uh, I was meant to work in theater. I think that just, it's like all there in the nickname.
1: Your nickname is an acronym. That's great. Um, (laughs) So uh, when was the last time you purchased music that had physical form?
0: I don't remember. It's a shame.
1: No, that's okay. You're not, you're in the majority these days. Um, uh, Do you do karaoke?
0: No, not my thing. I prefer to write original music (laughs) and sing my own
1: songs. (laughs) If you were, that's okay. If you were a championship wrestler, what music would you come in on?
0: We Will Rock You.
1: What would your wrestler name be?
0: Um, Rodimus Prime.
1: I absolutely love that. that I, is, I knew you uh, were going to respond to that, Jared. Jared, Jared might be wearing Jared upon. might be wearing a Transformers T-shirt right now. There speak. you go. <laughs> um, if you had to guess, what would you say is the song you've listened to the most times in your life?
0: That may very well be "Dancing and Prancing" by Danny Tenaglia.
1: I don't know that song, but. I trust you I trust your ju- I trust your judgment on that. Um,
0: um, can I cut you off? can I now cut you off for one minute because I think uh, my daughter and husband are at the door and they cannot go in. Oh can yeah I yeah, oh sure.
1: go ahead so go ahead. We've okay. only got a few more questions but go ahead and let them okay. in cool. Hello Hello.
0: okay, hopefully it doesn't get too noisy now.
1: Yeah, no, we're we're really almost done. Okay. Song you wish you could hear again for the very first time.
0: is on the Storm by The Doors.
1: Album you wish you can hear for the very first time.
0: It's that one by Danny Tenaglia. That uh, was it. Experiment. I don't remember the name. Elements. Elements. It was called Elements.
1: I'll have to check that mm-hmm. out as well. Um, yeah. What would you say is the most overplayed song of all time?
0: Mm-hmm. Overplayed? Is there such a thing as an overplayed song? Um, I don't know. Hallelujah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I think you could also just have said what you said, in which is you don't think there's such a thing. Um, are there any songs you'll avoid listening to?
0: No. If- mm, not that I can think of right now.
1: If you could broadcast a song into the head of every person on the planet in one collective moment, which song would it be?
0: Disco Inferno. i like that that answer a lot and uh, everybody would be on the dance floor and everybody would be friends
1: (laughs) is there a best album of all time in your opinion
0: can't think of one no i mean it also depends on who you ask and i don't think that i can pinpoint a best album.
1: That's, that's a fair answer. That's an honest answer. Um, uh, are there any bands or musicians that you have recently gotten into that you weren't even aware of maybe a few years ago?
0: Bands or musicians that I have gotten into, um, maybe some of the Bulgarian names I'm finding here on the local art scene. Um, there is this interesting artist called uh, Eva Yankulova. I find her work interesting.
1: Cool. Um, what would your 14-year-old self think of who you are and what you're doing today?
0: I think she would um, think I'm doing some really cool things. Unique. Yeah.
1: Um, okay. It is time for you to recommend three people that you'll share this with that you think we might be able to get.
0: Sure. I am recommending uh, Gina DiGionato, who is an educator and actress. I am recommending Melissa Bell, a playwright and a good friend, and also Miss Arletha Williams, who is an author of a book.
1: Hmm. Where are they located?
0: Uh, They're all in the States, uh, different parts of the States. Okay. Uh, mm Mm-hmm.
1: Well, we'll share this with them and then we'll try to get them on much as we did with you via Evgenia um, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to leave us and our listeners with
0: well listen to music and dance a lot it would uh, make you feel better hmm. and thank you for this invitation
1: No, oh, thank you for doing it
0: <laughs> my pleasure
1: We make three song stories in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the campus of Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers, Florida. Richard Chinqui is co-creator and producer. Tara Callaghan is online content producer and host. Our production assistant is Jared the Intern Gonzalez. Christoph is executive producer. And our theme song was made by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. For this week's Parting Tune, we're jumping back one year to episode number 217 guest Apollo Fresh. He's a Southwest Florida-based nerdcore rapper who specializes in anime rap. Apollo's first song was Bigger Than Me by Big Sean from his album I Decided. He said in 2018 he was going through a very dark time with some mental health issues. He said music is normally his mental food, but at that point he just couldn't eat. But Big Sean's music made him feel safe and got him through those dark times.
2: I was like going through like a spiritual transformation, but I also was just not grounded at all. At all. So I would listen to music and I would get scared. Like it would literally be like any music. I couldn't listen to any music. Hmm. It was wild. And it was like music was feeding me. And I was like, I didn't know what to do. But Big Sean's music is very like empowering and spiritual in some ways. It just felt really safe. But at the same time, it was motivating me because as I was going through this like transition, I became so aware of myself, even though in some ways I was disconnected. I was like, man, I know where I wanna go from here. I know what I've been doing was not leading me where I wanna go. And from here on, I'm changing the direction, the rudder on my ship, and I'm going to the top. And Big and Music like helped facilitate that. That album had bounced back, like literally the titles, like stick to the plan like, voices in my head, like, just sacrifices by Migos, like, you gotta make sacrifice. like, it was just, it was like a self-help book in a, in a bumping album.
1: Keep listening.